Hi, this is Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, telling you to stay tuned to WNJC 1360 AM for Thursday in the Doghouse. Coming right up. Mama was a mutt. Daddy was one too. Me, I'm a little bit of everything. Everything. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Thursday in the Doghouse. The best live talk radio show in New Jersey that specifically discusses the topic of dogs. I'm your host, Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer. And I'm your host, Karen Fazio, the Dog Super Nanny. Karen and I are professional dog trainers, and we're both very serious about educating the dog-owning community about why dogs do the things they do. We talk about training and behavior. We interview veterinarians, both allopathic and homeopathic, and we talk to shelter staff and volunteers. We talk to authors, as well as other trainers throughout the United States and Europe. If you're listening to us for the first time, let me invite you to catch up with hearing our past shows by going to my website, www.jerseydogtrainer.com, to hear all of the podcasts we've done so far. You can also listen to podcasts by going to Karen's website, www.thedogsupernanny.com. If you're at the office and can't listen to the radio, you can hear us live right on the Internet. It's simple. Just go to WNJC1360.com, and you'll immediately see a button that says, Listen Live. Click on it. A few weeks ago, Karen and I talked to you about how to select the best shelter or rescue dog for your family and how to make that adoption a complete success. Today, Kim Cavan, a freelance writer from New Jersey, is going to tell us her incredible story about how she came to rescue a dog named Blue, who, within a few hours, was slated to go into the gas chamber at a North Carolina shelter. That gives me the goosebumps. Just just saying that gives me the goosebumps. Kim has written a wonderful and enlightening book called Little Boy Blue, a puppy's rescue from death row, and his owner's journey for truth. But before we go and talk to Kim, um, please listen to Karen Fazio tell you about the services she offers in the Keyport, New Jersey area and its surrounding towns. The owner of a fearful or aggressive dog and don't know where to turn? Have you called other trainers and they've turned you down because they don't want to deal with an aggression case? Then my best friend dog training and its special service, the Dog Super Nanny, is maybe just what you're looking for. We do in-home private consultations. We're located in Keyport, New Jersey, and we do travel. Our phone number is 732-533-9376, and our website is mybestfrienddogschool.com. We are positive-based trainers and don't use physical punishment or fear as a way to motivate your dog. We use games and fun as a way to do that, and we also help you during the whole process. So give us a call. We're here for you. 732-533-9376. Welcome back to Thursday in the Doghouse. We are about to talk to Kim Cavan, um, who wrote a, a wonderful book called Little Boy Blue, 
and it's the story of how she recently um, found her her dog Blue um, at a North Carolina shelter. Um, hi, Kim. Thank you so much for joining us in the doghouse today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, getting more information about your 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 dog and and how you acquired him. Um, I understand you found Blue on PetFinder.com, and you thought he was from Pennsylvania. Uh, how did you find out he was from the South? I did. I, I live in New Jersey, obviously, a little bit close to the Pennsylvania border. And so when I decided to adopt a dog, I went on PetFinder.com, and I typed in my zip code. It, it lets you search for dogs that are within your area so that you can meet the dogs before you adopt them. Mm-hmm. Well, lo and behold, the picture that I clicked on of, of Blue's gorgeous little face, uh, the rescue group was indeed based in Pennsylvania, but they told me that the dog himself was about 500 miles away, about an hour outside of Durham in a really rural part of North Carolina. And they explained to me that what's happening nowadays is the northern rescues are partnering with the southern rescues to try to help some of the most overwhelmed shelters down south. They don't have enough folks to adopt all the dogs in some of these communities, and so the rescues down south pull dogs like Blue out of these shelters. They partner with the Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Massachusetts and Connecticut rescues to get the dogs up here, and then folks like me end up adopting them. Mm-hmm. So, so did you then travel down to North Carolina to pick the dog up? And um, it must have been a long ride. <laughs> I, I did not. The way that it works is... The rescues handle the transport. The, what One of the things that Little Boy Blue explains is that we now have in the United States of America what's essentially an underground railroad for dogs uh, from the south to the north. They are being moved by car, by RV, sometimes by private plane, believe it or not, we talk about in the book. There are there, there is an army of volunteers trying to get these dogs from the highest kill shelters down south up here to the north where there's lots more willing adopters and homes for them. In Blue's case, I did personally travel all the way back down to the shelter where he once was. That was to write my book and to learn more about why these sorts of things are happening. But in terms of adopting him, no, he came to New Jersey. I met him at a transport on an RV, um, and he was uh, as advertised, and um, it, it really was not difficult for me as the adopter at all. Mm-hmm. Karen, do you have any questions? Yeah, yeah. Now you, now you went down there, right, to take a look at, at the uh, specifically the Persick Parson at the Person County Shelter in Roxborough. Blue uh, originated it in Person County Animal Control, uh-huh. yes, in Roxborough, North Carolina. But what were the what were the conditions in the shelters down south? And you know, were they worse than other parts of the country? And what did you find, you know, when you were traveling around looking at these places? Blue's shelter, I, I used the Freedom of Information Act to start, and I got the shelter's records because I wanted to see if what these rescuers were telling me was really true. It sounded like it couldn't possibly be true, but it was. Unless rescue groups intervene at the shelter where Blue was found, 95% of the dogs are killed. Uh, year may may year. I interject just, just for a second? Um, I, I, I watched an HBO show recently, um, and it was called Dog Nation. One Nation Under Dog, yeah. One Nation Under Dog, thank you. And the scene where they gas dogs was the most horrendous, gut-wrenching, shattering experience I think I've ever had watching a television program. I mean, the, you can hear these dogs screaming 
screaming. Oh, God. What? Screaming. And then it just ends. And, you know, I had I had watched you on CNN when you were on CNN. I yeah, she, you did a great job, Kim, when you I, were on CNN. Yeah, that was really great. Um and you know they say that you know down there they're saying oh it's not it's not it's not cruel I, I don't know I, if that's not cruelty I don't know what is. Well, as I wrote in Little Boy Blue, you know I stood next to the gas chamber in that oh. shelter in Person County, and I I met a number of shelter directors down there who talk about how it's cost efficient and they need to do it. And uh, what I wrote in Little Boy Blue is. You know, I, I'm not an animal control director. I don't know what they're facing every day. Mm-hmm. I do know that if I heard Blue make a sound like I heard in that video, um, I would go running to see what was wrong. And I, I believe there is a reason that these gas chambers are banned in 22 states. I'm oh, thrilled yeah. to be able to tell you all that within just a week or two of Little Boy Blue being published, the public outcry in Blue's town was so loud that they finally announced they're going to get rid of that particular gas chamber. Well, they're going to be phasing that out in July 2013, right? Uh, there is talk now of it happening sooner. We're expecting oh, an announcement pretty soon. The public down there has really gotten behind Little Boy Blue and are really trying to hold their public officials' feet to the fire and, and say just what you just said, which is, we don't agree that our tax dollars should be paying for this. You know, one of the mm-hmm. things I did in Little Boy Blue was I looked all across the country and I found about 15 million tax dollars a year paying for these gas chamber animal shelters. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it from that perspective, it's just startling. It's not just that it's a, a horrific way to kill adoptable, healthy dogs, by the way, but that we are paying for this. And mm-hmm. most people don't know that we are paying for this. And when you simply let people know that this is where their tax dollars are going, mm-hmm. they tend to stand up and demand change. Kim, when I, when I was watching the CNN program, uh, it showed a map of the United States, and it had, um, you know, two different colors uh, in each t- state, one showing um, those those states that allow gas chambers and those states that don't. Um, I didn't get a chance to really um, look at that map long enough, but I did see, I believe, that New Jersey does not allow gas chambers. Um, what can you do you know offhand if uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware, I mean Maryland, and the states surrounding us here uh, allow the gas chambers, or is this primarily a southern type of resolution? Pennsylvania, I can tell you, just this week, uh, a bill came out of the uh, House in the Pennsylvania legislature uh, trying to ban these gas chambers from the state of Pennsylvania. So they are working on it really, really hard. There's a lawmaker in, I believe it is Chester County. His name is uh, Dineman. He is trying really, really hard to get them banned in Pennsylvania. Um, the other states you asked me about, Delaware, it is illegal in Delaware. Maryland, it's illegal in Maryland. What were the other ones that you asked? Well, New Jersey and just pretty much the surrounding states uh, of New Jersey, um, I wanted to find out. It is illegal in New Jersey and in New York and in Connecticut. Um, I don't want to call it a southern problem because obviously Pennsylvania is not down in the south and it is still legal there and activists do believe it's still going on in parts of Pennsylvania. But Mm -hmm. what I would say is it tends to correspond with agricultural and rural mm-hmm. states and mm-hmm. areas where those business lobbies are very, very strong. One of the chapters in Little Boy Blue takes a real hard look at what happens when advocates try to get these laws passed. They come up against lobbies from groups including the multinational corporate farming interests that mm-hmm. they see it as a slippery slope. If, if laws are passed in the states that say you have to kill shelter dogs, in a painless way, 
well, then what are we going to do about the chickens and the pigs and the cows that are used to make hamburgers and chicken McNuggets and those sorts of things? Mm -hmm. And so those lobbies tend to get in the way and block some of these bills, and it's very frustrating for the advocates who are just trying to help the dogs like Blue. Um, I have to say I'm surprised that Pennsylvania is just now starting to look at this issue. You know, Governor Rendell, he rescues dogs. He's, his, his, he rescues golden retrievers, and he, he um, you know, came out against puppy mills. Why did, I, I can't imagine why it's taken so long for them to start working to get rid of that law unless they just weren't, a, you know, they weren't aware of it or something. I, I just can't figure what that it, out. What it is, Rainy, they they, they never heard the screaming and the clawing from a gas chamber. I, actually, I think that's um, all you spoke, need to do is, is make these people them. watch that. What did you Tom say, Cam? Men's office explained to me that when they first introduced the bill in Pennsylvania, they came up against the lobby for the state's veterinary association. The state's veterinary association tried to block the legislation, and that doesn't make sense, right? You think why would veterinarians support the use of gas chambers? It doesn't make any sense. Until you look a little deeper into it, at Blue's Shelter down in North Carolina, the person being paid by the shelter to maintain and build the gas chamber oh was a veterinarian. So this is all about money at the end of the day and people making money and getting in the way of the legislation that would stop it. Mm. You know, we have to take a quick break in a couple of seconds, but I do want to ask you one more question. Um, when, you were, when you were down there and you were looking around at these shelters and talking to the officials, um, did they know you were going to write about this? They did. In fact, in Blue's shelter, I had to go through the county attorney and uh, make sure that my questions were submitted in advance. So they, they very much knew what I was coming in there to do. I think that in some of these places, they're not used to journalists who double-check and triple-check and go into things a little more deeply than the little community once-a-week newspapers do, and I think they were a bit surprised at the things that I was able to turn up. Did the Freedom of Information Act, did that help you gain access to the shelters and the officials who run them? It was great. I, I sent out probably 40 or 50 letters through the Freedom of Information Act to get a lot of this data that's never been reported before. Mm. Wow. So you and Blue are really doing good work here because you're making all of this uh, public knowledge that people probably would never have even known or thought about, that dogs are killed in such a horrific manner. Um, uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, we do have to take a short commercial break. Please let me tell you what services I offer here in the South Jersey area as a professional dog trainer and certified behavior consultant. We'll be right back. 1360 AM. Hi, everybody. This is Rini Primeza, your friendly neighborhood dog trainer. I've been training dogs professionally in South Jersey for close to 12 years. I assisted my own dog's trainer in her obedience classes for two years while studying the laws of learning and behavior modification at an online college. I then became certified as a behavior consultant in 2004 by the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. So whether you need a trainer to help you teach your dog his basic obedience behaviors or you need help because your dog has developed serious behavior problems, I'd be very happy to come and visit with you at your home and assist you in resolving these issues. So give me a call at 609-280-9338 or contact me through my website at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. My number is 609-280-9338 or go to my website and email me directly there, jerseydogtrainer.com. WNJC. Welcome back to 
to Thursday in the Doghouse. I'm Renee Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, here with my co-host Karen Fazio, the Dog Super Nanny. And we're having a very uh, emotional, I have to say, if not educational, informative discussion with Kim Cavan, um, who rescued a dog from a North Carolina shelter and saved his life. Um, he was slated to be killed in a gas chamber at the shelter where he was um, staying. Kim, this, this story is horrific. I mean, uh, it's it's just uh, very disturbing to know that humans are are treating animals in such a, an awful way. Um, tell us a little bit about Blue and about what you know of him prior to your rescuing him and then what happened when you brought him home. Well, the first thing I want to say, Rini, is to make sure everybody knows it, it does have a happy ending. Blue is sitting right here next to me. Oh, that's so wonderful. The, the book is about his rescue. It's not one of these books that uh, is going to break your heart at the end. We, we have a very ambitious book tour going on right that's, now. That's people good. People come out and say hello to him. And see oh, that good. He's healthy. But, but he was not um, completely happy and healthy when he arrived. I uh, He was a bit shy and a bit nervous, and, and it was pretty clear something had happened to him and when I took him to his vet to our vet for his first checkup we found a bunch of little odd scabs and we started to look through the paperwork and some of the notations were a little bit strange and not normal that they were clearly not made by a veterinarian for some of the uh, medical care that he had received so I got on the phone and started making some calls primarily because I wanted to know about my new dog I I wasn't writing a book at that point I just wanted to know what was going on with this puppy that I was adopting. And I came to find out that it had been suspected that Blue had ringworm, a, a rescuer down there who had uh, was helping to keep him out of harm's way, had decided that he had had ringworm, even though it was never diagnosed properly by a veterinarian. And the preferred method of treatment that she chose to use was bleach mm. to get rid of this open that he had on his body, mm-hmm. and that's what these scabs turned out to be. And when I started to hear that, along with talk of the gas chambers, that's when I realized there was, there was a very big story that this dog had to tell all of us about what's going on with dog rescue in America today. Right, right. Karen, do you have any questions for Kim? I have a million of them, so you better, uh, you better jump in there, girl. Well, you know, in your book, Little Boy Blue Talk, in the book Little Boy Blue... You talk about the people who run the shelters and also about the rescues, rescuers themselves. Um, what did you find out about these folks? I think that the most important thing that I did with Little Boy Blue was it, the story is not black and white. Um, this is not a book written by an animal advocate. I'm not out there screaming that every mm-hmm. rescuer is great and every shelter director is bad, not, not even remotely close. I think that um, many, many readers will be surprised at how much they empathy that they feel for the director of the shelter where Blue was nearly killed. I think folks may be surprised at how frustrated they feel with some of the rescue people who tried to help him. And I think folks may feel um, great pride in the many, many rescuers who are trying to stand up and make the very concept of rescue more professional. At the end of the day, this is a book that celebrates the people who are trying to change things for the better, Um, You obviously have to tell the truth of what's going on in order to get to that point in the story. But um, what I found out is that not all shelters are created equal, not all rescuers are created equal, and it's up to those of us who are bringing dogs into our homes to try to put our money 
in the right place and support the people who are trying to do the right thing for these dogs like Blue. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, in your opinion, once you you talk to the shelter people down there um, and 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 the the rescuers, um, do the idea of spaying and neutering is that something that is new to them, or do they, you know, do their veterinarians go out and and try to tell their clients that you know you need to spay and neuter your dogs? I mean, that's all we hear about here. Uh, what's the difference? Where Blue is from. One of the first things that I heard about Blue was that he had been neutered in the back of a van. That's what they told me over the phone. And you can imagine my reaction being from here in New Jersey. I thought, my goodness, what what bleach and gas chambers and surgery in the back of a van? What is going on? Well, one of the chapters in Little Boy Blue takes you inside that vehicle. It's actually an RV that is a mobile clinic that is certified by the state of North Carolina, just as a regular veterinarian's office would be. And the woman is running it because she used to work in a shelter where more dogs were going out the back door in body bags than going out the front door with adopters. And mm-hmm. she recognized very clearly that spay-neuter is the answer. And she is every day spaying and neutering 30 to 40 animals, I believe it is, just by herself, mm-hmm. trying to solve this problem. And, and the book talks about all kinds of people working on spay-neuter efforts. You know, this isn't a place where feral dogs are running wild in the streets. I went down and I looked for them. They're not there. The problem is that people are bringing boxes and boxes of brand new litters of puppies into the shelters and dumping them off to be killed. Mm. They're not spaying and neutering. There are lots of groups working to correct this problem. It is the ultimate solution to the problem in the shelters, and Little Boy Blue talks about it quite a bit. Um, you know, you had mentioned uh, that that you know you found you found blue on Pathfinder, which is a great site. Um, but you know, I, I also heard that that your publisher Barons is donating to Pathfinder. Am I am I right about that? We are. A portion of proceeds from every copy that is sold goes to the Petfinder Foundation, and so every book that we sell will help to save more dogs like Blue. I'm real proud of that. Yeah, I would be too. Good for you, and good for your uh, publisher. Um, tell me a little bit about, more about Blue. What is he like? Was You said he was shy, a little bit reserved when you first got him. Um how long have you had him now, and what is he like since you've really, um, you know, enriched his life? <laughs> Let's put it that's that way. The favorite thing that I, my, my best friend says all the time is that when I walk into a room, Blue stands just a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. He, oh. he will always be a little bit shy and nervous because of the way he was treated before he got home here mm-hmm. with me. Sure. But he has been through, I know how much you promote um training on your show, and I think that's awesome because I'm a big believer in it, too. Blue went through puppy kindergarten, beginner, advanced beginner, up and up and up until we finally achieved the AKC Canine Good Citizen Certificate for Obedience. Good. Um, He... We live on five and a half acres. He chases deer and squirrel around in the fenced-in yard all day, Mm. and he is not just an ambassador for the cause when we go to libraries and bookstores and things like that. But we also have started taking in foster puppies. You know, you'll see in Little Boy Blue, I couldn't walk out of those shelters empty-handed down there. Mm-hmm. I, I brought home my first two foster puppies who you get to meet in the book. Well, since that, I've had 19 of them here at the house wow. and have helped 19 more of them find wonderful homes. And mm-hmm. Blue has been fantastic with all of them. So he's now helping the dogs who show up here a little bit shy and shaken from their experiences 
it's almost like they talk to each other. You know, they communicate. They know that they're someplace safe. They play with him. They he helps teach them how to sit, and he helps teach them how to go <laughs> out the door when they need to do their business. Mm-hmm. He's 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 a rock star. This yeah, dog. He's, he's always- <laughs> that's fabulous news. It really is. Your, your newest rescue is is a dog named Ginger. Yes, Ginger was my nineteenth foster puppy, and mm-hmm. we tried five times to adopt her out, and for whatever reason. She is just a nervous little girl. She does not show signs of abuse. She just is wary of new people. It takes her a few times you have to meet Ginger before she'll even let you pet her without right. being nervous. And the folks who we tried to adopt her out to, they just they thought that she was too badly broken, and I just got tired of hearing that because it's the same thing they said about Blue when they were going to kill him in that shelter. And right. these dogs aren't broken. They're frightened for probably very good reason. And Blue loves her, and I love her, and so we decided to keep her in the... Uh, they have a great time together. How's she doing now? She's getting better. We start school in two weeks, and we're we're just working on basics with Ginger. We we go to a lot of public places and ask people to give her treats. That's step one. Mm-hmm. And she's no, just learning that great. people are kind, and when they reach down to hand her a treat, it's okay. And from there, we're going to do what we did with Blue and hopefully get her up to the AKC Canine Good Citizen, too. Good, good, wonderful. I have to tell you, um, I'm one of these trainers in this area who really never fully appreciated the reason why we're bringing so many dogs up from down south to be in our shelters. To be honest with you, I I always had in the back of my mind that by doing that, we're preventing local dogs from getting a spot in the shelter, stray dogs and so forth, who may wind up losing their lives because we're bringing so many dogs from down south. That being said... Hearing Blue's story and reading the book, I now have a better appreciation for the emergency situation that we're in with all of these dogs. That's Um, how it was explained to me, and I think that your uh, sentiment is very reasonable, and I actually express it in Little Boy Blue. There's, there's, uh, I think it's a woman from Pennsylvania who I quote who says just what you said is, we already have problems finding homes for our own dogs. Why are you bringing more of them here? And the way it was explained to me by many, 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 many people in rescue all over the country is that the problem down there is worse. It is an emergency. When 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 a shelter has a 95% or higher kill rate, it's basically a slaughterhouse. Mm. We don't have that going on up here. Um, and the dogs that are being killed down there are very highly adoptable breeds. They There's terriers, there's beagles, there's, you'd be stunned at the dog. I had a purebred Labrador come through here as a foster dog that was headed for a gas chamber. Um, we don't really see that in our shelters. The, the shelters, at least where I live in my part of New Jersey, the dogs they have trouble moving tend to be the pit bulls, which I don't personally have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing you all don't either, but for whatever reason, public sentiment makes it harder to find them homes. So I think that a lot of the rescuers are of the opinion that let's save as many of the ones that are easy to save as we can. Mm -hmm. We can save them by the tens of thousands. I I think that's where they come from on their opinion on that topic. Exactly. Kim, before we um, end our discussion, would you please let people know how they can purchase your book, Little Boy Blue, and um, to let them know also that Blue has his own website. So can you give out that information, please? We do. Blue's website is uh, little-boy-blue, and it's .info. It's not a .com. So you can get the book through there. You can go to any bookstore, any independent bookstore, any Barnes & Noble. We're on Amazon.com. It's available for Kindle if you're 
have a Nook that's available for that. Um, we actually on the website have the two first chapters there free if you want to download them and read them and check it out, if you want to decide if you'd like to buy the book. We hope you will buy it and uh, help us make a contribution to the Pathfinder Foundation. Um, Hopefully you'll like what you see. That's great. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks um, for having me. This has been a very, uh, a very informative talk, and I wish you the best of luck with Blue and with all the rescues and the, the, shelf, I mean the, the foster dogs that you bring into your home. You're doing a wonderful thing, and uh, I personally want to congratulate you on the wonderful work that, you're, that you've done. Yeah, we appreciate you drawing attention to Little Boy Blue. I hope people will pick up a copy. I'm sure they will. Thank you, Kim. You have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Boy, Karen, I'll tell you what, thinking about dogs, you know, screaming in a gas oh, chamber. Just... Screaming, really screaming. Uh, what show were you watching? Little, it was HBO. It's called One Nation Under Dog. Oh, my God. When, oh, my when, God. When did, that, when did that air? Because I watch HBO it's, all the it's time. It's on on demand. You could get it. But what they did was they opened up this big thing, and they put these dogs in it. And they're all wagging their tails and looking at the guy like, hey, what's going on? They close the top. They put the gas on. You hear screaming. Then they don't even bother to remove the dogs, and they bring in a whole bunch of puppies, and the puppies are licking the guy's face and everything as they're loading them on top of all the other dead dogs. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And they close the cover again, you hear the puppies screaming. Oh, Karen. Oh, my God. And then the next thing you see is a garbage truck coming, and it picks it up with a forklift, and it dumps all the bodies in the back of the garbage truck. All right, that's enough. Awful. That's enough. I can't stand it, and I'm sure everybody else is yep. is just very this sick about stuff like that. This is why you need to that. rescue dogs and not go to pet stores. Right, please, please. There's too many dogs out there. There's just too many dogs being bred by rotten breeders and and puppy mills. Mm-hmm. Well, listen. Next week we're going to talk to um, Nanette Morgan, a trainer from California, and she's going to talk to us about how to resolve issues uh, when dogs have separation anxiety. And I can't wait to talk about that. And um, so I hope you join us next Thursday from 10 to 10.30 right here on WNJC 1360 AM. We'll Have talk to you later. Bye. Take care. I'm glad you're home but where you've been Since 2 o'clock I've been holding it in Grab the leash, let's go chop, chop If I don't get out soon The court's gonna pop